1: You're listening to the Extra Point Show with Sal Capaccio and Sneaky
2: Joe DiBiase on WGR Sports Radio 550.
3: All right, it's a Wednesday here on the Extra Point Show. You know what that means? Bills Media Wednesday. Sean McDermott's going to speak as he normally does today. It'll be at 10:45 a.m. Though the Bills are going to have a walkthrough today. They do this a little bit as the season goes on. Um, they kind of back off the players a little bit here and there to kind of keep the legs fresh. We've seen this happen over the last few years. Of course, last year was a little bit different as well with all the changes in the schedule and the snow. And then what happened with Damar Hamlin, uh, you know, even changed it even more so later. But that said, it is going to be a 1045 a.m. press conference for Sean McDermott today. His normal weekly Wednesday press conference. Then the team will be on the field at 12, uh, a little after that, I should say, for a walkthrough. And then we'll hear from players around 1215, 1230. Uh, but it'll be a walkthrough practice for the players today Is uh, the whole point I was getting to here on uh, laying off them a little bit. So that's what's happening down here at One Bills Drive. That's where I am. Sneaky Joe DiBiase is in our Amherst studio, Sal Capaccio here with you on the extra point show on WGR. Good morning, Joe. How have uh, how, how you been this morning? What's been the talk? The Bill Belichick talk is the, the dominating the conversation, I think, today.
4: Yeah, not surprisingly, I should not have uh, I should not have got I didn't get excited, but been looking forward to him meeting with the media in the nine o'clock hour because what was oh. I what was I expecting to happen? He said we're on the. He said we're on or um, focused on Kansas City like eight times. I really he said
3: we're. I'm getting ready for Kansas City. I actually watched City. it a little bit. I watched it and listened, and I got frustrated doing that. Me too.
4: Yes. And I frustrated myself because I realized why did I think he was going to come out and say anything about about the, the report? <laughs> no, he was never going to. Of course not.
3: No, he was asked multiple times about a. What do you think of the report? Or b. Have you even discussed your future with Robert Kraft? And every single time he said. I'm focused on Kansas City. No, no, I'm sorry. I'm getting ready for Kansas City. We're getting ready for Kansas City, maybe he said. But he said getting ready for Kansas City multiple times, and that's who they play. Don't know what's going to happen with Bill Belichick in that situation at the end of the year. It does seem like it's been trending for a while that uh, that might be a change. Joe, what is the first Bills-Cowboys game you remember ever?
4: It might be the Monday night game in 07.
3: I thought that might be the case. I don't think I there's, that might be it.
4: there's a game. It might. That also. No, there's a couple that I would remember. Um, I don't remember anything about the last time that they played at the stadium, but we can get to that. The first game I remember, I mean, I'm looking now. Like There's a game in 03, 10-6, Dallas over Buffalo, and I yeah. don't remember anything about that. So I think I've got to answer with 07. 07 for sure.
3: Yeah, I'm trying to remember that 3 game as well. I mean, I think I might vaguely. Ryan Lindell had two field goals for the Bills. Um, yeah. Do you know who? Okay, so I'm looking at the box score. This is great. You haven't looked at that yet, right? The 10-6 Bills loss in Dallas in o three. Okay. I have okay. The, There was one touchdown scored in that game. Joe, I could give you, I will tell you, this person is a predominant name in the NFL for some reason or another. Yet, I would still give you 100 guesses, and I don't think you'd guess who scored the touchdown. The touchdown for Dallas? Yep, only one touchdown that game. Dallas wins 10-6. Buffalo does not score. They get two field goals from Ryan Lindell. There's one touchdown in that game. It happened very early in the game. Well, it's happened in the first quarter. The person who scored the touchdown, you know the name. This person is a predominant name in the NFL, but I still don't think you would guess it if I gave you a lot of guesses
4: is it Roy Williams?
3: Who ended up getting to Dallas? No, is he still in the NFL doing something? I'm talking right now this person's Oh, a now
4: he's in the NFL?
3: Yes. Oh, I have a good guess. Is it Dan Campbell? Okay. Oh, yeah, See, you took one guess. I underestimated you, Joseph. Dan Campbell scored the only touchdown that game.
4: I've seen videos this year on, I'm sure, just like, what, Fox or CBS has put, like, together highlight packages of Dan Campbell. And I've definitely seen clips this year of him in a Cowboys uniform with, like, the long, flowing hair coming out of the helmet.
3: (laughs) Dan Campbell, the only touchdown in the game. And he caught it from, do you want to guess the quarterback? Ooh, that one I don't know if I would get.
4: Uh, 03, Bledsoe's still in the bill, so it's not him. I know he goes to the Cowboys mm-hmm. after. Is it going to be... I'm not good with Cowboys quarterbacks between Aikman and like Bledsoe Romo. Um, I don't even know if I have a guess. No, I don't even have a guess at who it might be.
3: Quincy Carter.
4: Oh, okay. That was, that, was, that, was, that was mildly gettable. I could have got that. Yeah. 10-6. to 6.
3: That's Quincy at, Carter at to Dan Dallas. Campbell. 10-6. The Bills lose that game. But that Monday night game then was the next time they played, which was four years later here in Buffalo. So they've actually rotated home and away, home and away, because of the way the schedule works. And, you know, it's an NFC team. And now you have the 17th game, so it could change over the years. But you go back to that. Um, I mean, they've rotated home and away since 81. There was mm-hmm. a away game in 81, home game in 84, so my first, remem- my, my first memory is that game. So 1984, Joe, okay, this is the first memory I have, Bills-Cowboys. I know there are a lot of people probably driving around going, oh, yeah, that's right. So the Bills were horrible in 1984 and 1985. They won two games in each of those years. One of the games they won in 1984 was home against the Dallas Cowboys. And they won on the very first play of the game. Greg Bell took it 85 yards to the house for the Bills. I remember growing up, I was 11 years old. And I remember people just, oh my God, the Cowboys are coming. It's the Dallas Cowboys, right? I mean, like, they are America's team. They'd won Super Bowls uh, the previous year, 1983. They went 12 and four. Uh, they, they were still really on top of their game. They didn't have a great year in 84. Uh, they finished nine and seven. They come into Buffalo that week. They're seven and four, and they're doing a really nice job. And the Bills come into that game with, I don't know, is that the first Bills win? Let me look. Yeah, Joe, the Bills come into the game 0-11. 0-11. <laughs> and on the very first play of the game, Greg Bell goes eighty five yards for a touchdown. The Bills win fourteen to three that game.
5: Yeah.
4: My I, I don't have any really good well, I've, you know, recent good cowboy memories, but growing up, it is the oh seven game, which is a heartbreaker, and then like I remember where I was in I got the history in front of me, what year would it have been? Yeah, twenty eleven, as they're just getting mm-hmm. beat down by the by the Cowboys at you yeah. know at Cowboys Stadium. And I Des Bryant like mossing Leotis McKelvin I have happening in that game. I think I have that right. Um forty four to seven is that one. The Bills would have right. had a winning record going into that game too. I'm like five and three. And then just get rolled by the Cowboys. That would have been definitely for me like Alright, come on. The season is still alive. We're good here. We're gonna it, it, finally going to get to see the playoffs for the first time in my life. And then, oh, no, oh, we're just getting smoked by Tony Romo. Awesome.
3: Yeah, that's the year the Bills start off 0-3, including the Raiders come back and the Patriots come back, where they beat the Patriots here, and everybody's going crazy after the game. They go to Cincinnati, lose, come back to Philly, win. They go to the Giants and lose. They have a bye week. I'm looking at it now. Um, there's a a Washington game in there, they win, then they lose the Jets, they go against the Cowboys. And what I remember about that game specifically, two things. Number one, Eric Wood actually got pushed after a play, landed awkwardly, and tore his ACL. Remember that one? I don't know if you remember that that happened in in Dallas that day. Eric Wood got hurt out for the rest of the year. That was also, Joe, the game that David Nelson proposed to his girlfriend, uh, Cowboys cheerleader.
4: That I remember. That I remember. What was the score? Wait, what was the score at that point? I hope the game was still within reach that he would have
3: done that. Uh I don't know if 21 it was. to 7 just 21 look. to
4: 7. All right, that's mm. not it's not terrible. All right. Also, while I'm looking at this box score, I know we're going way down the rabbit hole here. The Bills had yep. a kicker that I did not know existed. Like I never I don't remember this player ever for the Bills. Dave Raynor was like the in Bills this kicker? Game? Yeah.
3: Oh yeah. That's no right.
4: I no clue. We could have sat here for the an name. hour. If if you asked me to predict the and uh, tell me who the kicker was of that game,
3: but no, Bills ran through a few kickers in those years.
4: Yeah, no, they they did in in between like Lindell and then when they uh, ended mm-hmm. up with Carpenter. But Bills Cowboys memories. I mean, for me, it is we, we haven't we've just kind of danced around it. But number one by far is Monday Night. I mean they yes. they picked off Romo multiple times. The uh, was it Steve Levy on the broadcast? The, the the one of my favorite calls growing up as a Bills fan was it's not delivery, it's DeGi- it's DiGiorgio. DeGior- John, was it? Oh my God! Who like intercepted it? Bill's linebacker. Um, so it wasn't
3: Torrico? It was, was it. Was maybe it, it was Torrico, but I could be wrong.
4: No, you're probably right. It probably was Torrico. And man, just of the heartbreaking losses of the drought, like that's gotta be. It's top five. It's it, it might even be oh, yeah. near one
3: or two or three, but it's definitely top five for me. And you know who kicked the game-winning field goal in that game.
4: That guy's still in the league. Uh, Nick Folk, right? Yes. He kicked Nick on. Folk, uh, yeah. He, he was out there on Monday
3: somewhere. Tennessee? He was. He's one of the best ever like, inside 40 yards in the history of the game. He is 39 years old. He just turned 39 years old. Nick Folk, he was, yeah, he's kicking Monday night in Tennessee beating the Dolphins. He kicked Monday night in Buffalo that night in Orchard Park uh, to beat the Buffalo Bills for the Dallas Cowboys. And then, of course, let's bring it to a positive here. The last two times the Bills played the Dallas Cowboys, they beat them. One was here in 15 in a a you know, kind of a snowy game with Kellen Moore at quarterback for the Cowboys who couldn't find their way at all. Bills win 16-6. Bills only make the playoffs, but the Cowboys were bad. And then of course, the coming out party for Josh Allen and this um you know this version of the Bills, I guess you'd say when they go to Dallas on Thanksgiving. That's the last time these two teams played when the Bills went to Dallas on Thanksgiving and the Bills won 26 to 15 and we all remember that one as well.
4: Yep, that is that is like the right. That's the de- declaration of Allen's here and get ready because he's a rocket ship that that, like, it's going to be fun to watch. Even though what's funny is of all the good plays he made in that game, the most memorable one is one where he dropped a snap, but then dug the ball out of a pile (laughs) and got a first down and a sneak.
3: No, that's right. That's right. Let's, uh, Let's get to Gary in Wheatfield who has uh, wants to chime in some Cowboys memories. Um, go ahead and push the button for me if you can there, Josh. Uh, so I can bring this back up myself. Uh, let's get I think no, let's go to yep, let's go to Gary in Wheatfield. Go ahead, Gary, you're on WGR.
0: Hey guys, good morning. Hey excuse my voice, I had a cold. My uh, <laughs> my experience with uh, it shows you my age, but Bills Cowboys game nineteen eighty four, November eighteenth. Just sat down and Greg Bell ran eighty plus yards for a touchdown, and yeah. the Bills never came back.
3: Yeah, we were just going over that. I think a lot of people, I said like you, Gary, driving around thinking about that game. That was a that was a big game, you know, for just kind of you know having the Cowboys here in Buffalo. They didn't come here very often. They were the Cowboys, America's team, Super Bowl championships, you know, in the eighties. They were still good, and then. Mid-80s, they kind of declined a little bit. They come here. The Bills were 0-11, Gary, going into that game. And then Greg Bell takes it to the house. There's video. People can look at it on YouTube. You can watch that was, play, actually.
1: I believe it was our only one or two
0: wins of the season. But what stood out to me, yep. I think Joe Ferguson attempted to pass
1: like 49 times. It was ridiculous. It was, the game was just crazy. But it was fun. It was fun. Place went nuts. Yeah,
3: thanks. Thanks a lot. Appreciate the memory. That's getting connected with our fans, by the way. And it's brought to you by Northtown Kia, Western New York's number one Kia dealer. Shop online at com. Let's go to Ray and Clarence. Hey, Ray, you're on WGR. Go ahead.
0: Hey, good morning. I heard you on the podcast last night with Jamie Malloy and Joe Dalio. So that was a good job. That's a weekly uh, tune-in for me. So good job on that one.
3: No, no problem. It was nice uh, nice doing a little pod with them. And uh, we've been trying to make it happen for a while. So thank you. (laughs)
0: Um, I, the Greg Bell one was my memory, but I'm not going to say that. The, the reason why I called, Sal, is I'm a little, I don't want to say nervous. Um, we did really well when Dawson Knox was out. The offense opened up a lot more, and I know he played a lot less snaps than he usually does uh, when he came back this week. But I don't want to revert back to that offense we had in the beginning of the year with the two tight ends. But I'm not saying don't use Knox. I like how they used him, but I don't want to go back to that I'll call it Ken Dorsey mentality, and, and it gets him more blame than he deserves, but um I want the bills to be more free in their offense and passing and not limit themselves, do what was successful during the time that Knox was out, and we're gonna need the points this week, you know it's uh I don't know what what do you feel about that is i i don't I don't wanna be locked into this too tight end thing all the time i mean if it what works. Use it. <laughs> and obviously, we're scoring more points during that time, and I know the Chiefs have a good defense, I, but we only scored twenty. You
3: know, it's, well They, have a, yeah, but they have a very good defense. I don't. I think you're. I, I think you're taking Knox coming back and correlating it with only twenty points and thinking there's some reason for that. I don't think that's right.
0: No, no, it's the is eyeball test say. during the game too. You know, not, not so much the. Points. Well,
3: I would I would say this, Ray. Go watch um, Joe. Did you see the Dan Orlovsky breakdown of how the Bills used their personnel? Look, I actually yep. think. We're now seeing maybe, and maybe I'm wrong here, and I'll say it this way, Ray, and thanks for the call. I'm going to let Joe chime in because I think you watched it too, Joe. Mm. I think what Dan was pointing out was, to me, it looked like, okay, they're finally using 12 personnel the way they need to use it. Like, when Knox was on Mm. the field, it was, go watch the Dan Orlovsky breakdown. They used different personnel and formations, and 12 personnel actually helped them, and they actually started using it to me. When I watched Dan Orlovsky do that breakdown, I'm thinking, okay, like this is how the 12 personnel is supposed to look.
4: Yeah, no, that's right, and when they did go to it, it was effective. Knox even, too, like, yes. he made a couple of catches. I think maybe I saw two of his, though, maybe, were when Kincaid wasn't on the field. Um, but either way, right, the run game, it was helping, too. And it was helping with Cook get open on some of his routes. Um, it's, it's only, you know, I, I also wouldn't want to just say, oh, they ran more 12 personnel in this game, that's why they only scored 20 points. I wouldn't want to go to that point. Um, the consequence of it is that Khalil Shakir... Played thirty fewer snaps than he had the week before. He was at sixty-one percent. He was at eighty the week before. He's still on sixty-one percent. It's not like you're taking him off completely, but the Knox snaps are now looking like they're going to be at the expense of Shakir. And I don't. I don't think it has to be a bad thing. I mean, Knox played fine. Knox caught a couple of passes that if Shakir had caught them, it would have been the same thing, and they were in kind of mm-hmm. in the same areas of the field. So. Yeah, I think we're still trying to figure that out. Like, will is this is this what Brady also wants to do? Versus, and I mentioned this yesterday. Like, it, it could just be that Knox has been, you know, is coming off an injury, and forty-seven yeah. percent or whatever he played. Like, maybe that's what Brady wanted to do, or maybe that's injury related. I think it's still too early to tell for how much they really want to run twelve personnel because Knox had just come back.
3: Yeah, if you didn't
0: see it.
3: Though check it out, Dan Orlovsky. Obviously, he does a great job, and we know that um, breaks down a lot of stuff. But what he did was he basically showed how the Bills were using different formations with their personnel and different, and, you know, the tight ends baked in there, and they were running them split out and wide and making him part of a trips package and how it was kind of confusing the defense, right? The defense. And one of the, one of the plays was the James cook touchdown down the seam where there was concentration on the tight end and James cook winds up leaking out. Uh, there was another one that went the reverse later where Dawson catches the pass over the middle because they were concentrating more on the eyeballs went to either James cook or somebody else. So I do think there's space for it. I get you right. I understand like, but there's only, there's only a certain amount of players, players you can have on the field. There's only a certain amount of eligible guys, Um, And I think Dawson Knox is a good player. No, if I think there's a time and place, so to say, for sure, like you're saying, Ray, which is, hey, like you know, you need some receivers on the field. Look, Deontay Hardy, there's a great example, Joe. Like I, what I saw from that play with Deontay Hardy, give me more of that. Give me more Deontay Hardy on the field. This team has trouble pushing the ball down the field right now. Um, That was a great play. There's a great throw, obviously, by Josh. Uh, But I'd like to see more of that. Maybe if there's something, some way you can incorporate that. But mm-hmm. to me, that's been lacking in this offense.
4: To me, just speed in general. Yes. Um, we talked earlier about how they're lacking still for plays down the field. Cook on wheel routes has actually been their only real play down the field in the last couple of weeks. Like you said, also the Hardy 25-yard completion where it's man coverage and he just beats the guy. Um wasn't wide open, but he was open. He was open enough that Allen could put the ball on him. And he only played three snaps, and he's just not been a part of their offense really all year, and, you know, that's another thing, too, like Brady versus um, McDermott, and what does Brady want to do? We've had two games with, well, Hardy's been active for two games. I guess you could really say three, even though he was inactive for one of them. And is there a speed element that they feel is lacking, and the only answer to the question of how do we get more speed in this offense is Deontay Hardy? And I wonder if they would even go to it. Because it's not like he has really earned more snaps. I mean, we've talked about mistakes he's made when running routes. That jet interception at a halftime um, at a couple of weeks ago you know, comes to mind. For me, that was a different game. Denver. So I'm not sure how much he's earned more snaps. But at the same time, that's a skill set that seems to be missing. And I don't really know who else you're getting it from that can just line up out wide and can threaten safeties over the top. Because right now it's not happening with Diggs and Davis. I don't really think defenses are really all that afraid of Diggs and Davis right now beating them over the top.
3: What we'll do is we'll take a timeout here. We'll come back, we'll chat for a little while, then we'll take another time out, and then we'll get you to Sean McDermott live from One Bill's Drive inside the Bills Media Room. That's where I am right now. I'm actually inside the radio booth overlooking Highmark Stadium. It's uh, a cold, colder, I guess. It's not bad for December, right? Colder day, but it's a uh, pretty clear sky, some clouds in the sky. I will tell you, Joe, got a note from our guy Patrick Hammer who said just be on the watch. It could be starting to look like it might get a little wet on Sunday for the game. As we thought that it might be dry. Now a system's starting to move in. So something we're going to keep an eye on. We'll have Patrick hammer for our weather check on Friday. In the meantime, we'll take a timeout here. We'll come back. We'll chat a little bit more and then we'll have Sean McDermott at 1045 AM on the extra point show on WGR.
5: When I was a GA at Penn state,
4: Mike, I came to camp and he was obviously like the top defensive end or, you know, top player in the country
5: in, in high school, and he decided he wanted to play wide receiver for the camp, and he was the best wide receiver in the
1: camp. All of the, Everything he's doing in the NFL doesn't surprise me at all. I'm an absolute freak of an athlete, and Dan does an unbelievable job of moving around and getting him on matchups and mismatches, and there's really not much that he can't do, and it'll be a great opportunity for us this week. Bill's
3: Offensive Coordinator Joe Brady, talking about Micah Parsons. He is a problem, Joe. Micah Parsons is mm-hmm. going to be something to deal with. This is a very, very good Cowboys front. Now, that's said, I would tell you, I think the Bills have done a really good job for the most part against really good fronts. You go back to when they played the um, Washington Commanders this year and what they had. Um, obviously, with um, mm-hmm. Payne and Chase and Sweat, and those guys were still playing for them at the time. You go to, who else did they play? Oh, yeah, Max Crosby had nothing against the Bills. Yep. right? Remember that game against the Raiders. Yep. Even Jalen Phillips, well, Jalen Phillips didn't play, I'm sorry, but Chubb was still playing for the Dolphins. He didn't, Phillips didn't play in that game. But the bottom line is, when the Bills have faced a very good pass rush team with guys you who know, can really get after it, they've done a good job. Now, I will tell you that, I think that last week the Chiefs got to them a little bit too much. And the Chiefs didn't even do it by blitzing. They have a very good interior. and Chris Jones, obviously. Carl uh, Loftus. That, to me, was some of the most pressure that you saw the Bills face from you know certain groups of people, for a mm-hmm. certain front, I should say. But I think the Bills have done a good job overall uh, against most really good pass
1: rushers this year.
4: Yeah. The one difference about Parsons, maybe from... Trying to think if anybody else is really like this. The Browns have started doing this with Miles Garrett, but the Bills haven't seen them. Is that Parsons? You have no idea where he's going to line up on the field. Like looking at, because like Max Crosby, you kind of knew it was Max Crosby versus Spencer Brown. Like that, it was going to be that matchup yep. pretty much all day. And Brown, by the way, like that was maybe the the first game where we realized, okay, Brown maybe is figuring it out this year because Crosby didn't do all that much. But it's Brown that was going up against him all day. Parsons, his snaps by position, I mean, it's pretty even. Like, he's at, you know, around 300 from the left edge, so that's going to be the most, but then 220 from the right edge, he's at like 100, like uh, 89 actually, specifically, from like the middle, where he's almost technically a middle linebacker, but he's rushing from that position. So, yeah, the most is going to be from the left edge, but that's a guy where, like, you kind of got to keep an eye on him because one play he might be lined up on Dion Dawkins and the next he might be on Osiris Torrance, which, you know, the Bills, you know, might be in a good spot here because they've had the same five linemen and maybe their communication is on, on you know, on a good spot here. A lot of that will be on Allen, too, as much as it'll be, you know, the linemen to block him. Allen's going to probably have to, you know, like a goalie that always knows where Alex Ovechkin is on the ice. Like know which mm-hmm. protection to be in, given where Parsons is on the
3: field. Yeah, it's a tough matchup for the Bills, and you know Jeremy said earlier kind of he kind of wants to say maybe we should manage and temper expectations. No, that that's right. I, but you know this is this is a team they can still. The Bills are still one of the better teams in the NFL. I believe that. I understand they're I, seven and six. They're favored. I know things haven't gone. What's that? They're favored against the Dallas they're Cowboys. Fa- right. right now. They're yeah. favored. They're favored in this game. Um, you know I. You look at the other side of the ball and Dak Prescott, what he's doing with his receivers. And Dak is having a tremendous year. Hmm. Uh, We talked when I was on with you guys this morning. I mean, right now he's, what is he, second in MVP voting odds? Is that
4: right behind Purdy? It's plus 140 for Purdy, plus 150 for Dak, and nobody else is like within plus 800. So he's like, he's technically second, but it's basically co favorite with Purdy right now for the most part.
3: Who would you give it to right now? Right now, NFL MVP.
4: i give it to Dak. I would give it to Dak Prescott. Mm. I really would. Um, yeah, the numbers, you know, Purdy might have better numbers, but to me, you know, it's. I don't want to make it sound like the Cowboys don't have great weapons. I just think the Niners have, like, the best – group of skill position players that I've seen... I don't want to be too too much recency bias here, but I'd have to think long and hard. Let's just say that. To, to, to find a team with better skill position players than the Niners have right now. Um, Dallas is good on that front. Still, a little bit for me is also that I just don't really have that much respect for Mike McCarthy as a play caller. And Dak, like you watch him, there are a lot of throws he makes. Like Purdy, it's a lot of guys that are running open and then screens and Debo takes it 80 yards... And Dallas, like there are three, four throws a game where Dak is putting it in like a perfect spot, tight coverage, like just really impressive arm talent that you're seeing from Dak. And he's running more this year. You know he's a couple of years removed now from that fractured ankle, which really mm-hmm. took the rushing away from him. So that has returned a bit, um, and. You know their record being what it is, and you know having the division. I I just think I think I would give it to Dak right now. No 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 disrespect to Purdy. I I just think Dak is my guy right now.
3: Can I can I give a a look at a guy we haven't talked a lot about that? Who's that? I think Lamar Jackson needs to be right up there.
4: He actually I don't have the odds in front of me. He might have been that third guy that was a little further
3: back. Um, yeah he. What are what is he number wise I mean, though? Like I, I don't look well, at his he's he's top so. ten in completions. Now he doesn't have the, the, the touchdown passes thrown. Right, but he's not turning the ball over that much. By the way, right, and he still has over six hundred yards rushing.
4: And he's going to he's going to eclipse his career high in passing yardage. Um, yes,
3: his career high in passing yardage. He's is- got the yards. The only thing yeah. he's missing, Joe, I think, is the touchdown passes. Really.
4: Yes, that's right. Yeah, he's going to end up with somewhere in the mid twenties, probably. Mm -hmm. Which that's Mm -hmm. usually not going to be enough to get you there, and maybe that's really the big key that's holding him back. Rushing touchdowns, he has five. You know, passing sixteen. So,
3: yeah. I I I mean, look at the team. Look at the record. I mean, I mean, he's just he's a huge, huge part of what they're doing. Obviously, he's Lamar Jackson. But I mean, they're right there. They're ten and three, just like the Cowboys. Yeah. I mean throwing the
4: football, I think it's arguable that he's having his best season. I know he had bigger mm-hmm. numbers in that that second year where he won the MVP, but that was a year remember where the league was still trying to figure him out and they were so run heavy and like there were so many heavy boxes that when Jackson was throwing that MVP year, it's like other teams really didn't respect it all that much. Um and he was playing just easier defensive matchups. This year their their pass frequency rate has gone from like bottom 5 in the league to i think they're top 10. So teams kind of know the passing game is coming with Beckham and Flowers and Bateman and no more Andrews, but it was Andrews before. Like they know it's coming now and and Jackson is still, you know, carving them up. Um again, maybe not the same level as Prescott, but I I he would be a finalist for me. I don't think I would give it to him over Dak, but he he's having a very good season too. And Allen, we if, referenced if, this earlier on the morning show. I mean, if the Bills go on a run here, beat the Cowboys, beat the Dolphins and end up winning the division, I'm going to have a hard time thinking Allen mm-hmm. doesn't doesn't win it. Like I think it's going to be really tight between him and either Purdy or Prescott.
3: No, I like that. I think that's right. Uh, real quick before I, because I'm going to go over the media room and Joe will take you up to Sean McDermott. Tyreek Hill's been in the mix, you know, for MVP and what he's doing. Yeah, he got, he got hurt the other night. Joe, I'll I tell you, I think Monday night watching that game, not that this wasn't already a thought, but I think it really, really came out on Monday night. Yes, Tua relies a lot on Ty- Tyreek. There's no doubt. I mean, Tua, to me, Tua's a good quarterback. He's much better in that system. You know who really, really, really relies on Tyreek Hill? Mike McDaniel like that system goes through Tyreek Hill when he went out they had no answer whatsoever when he came back in even limited they were able to do a few things and then he went back out again and they could not do squat
4: yeah I saw some criticism of uh, Jalen Waddle for that Um, Mm. that basically when Hill went out McDaniel was trying to do the things that he does with Hill a lot with Mm -hmm. Waddle and it wasn't working to the same level um And that has kind of been a theme for him. He's having a weird year. Like, last year, even with Hill there, Waddle managed to have a monster season. I mean, 1,400 yards and eight touchdowns. He's averaging, you know, he's, he's down below 70 yards per game this year. He was at 80 last season. So, I don't know what's going on there. Maybe he's been playing injured a little bit, too. But I did see a little bit of that on McDaniel. Tua, I think, has gotten the most criticism, but... Just want to mention that. That, like, Jalen Waddell is supposed yep. to be, like, a number one that's only the number two because of Tyree Kill. But in that game, they asked him to be the number one, and he didn't do that great at it.
3: We'll take a timeout. Sean McDermott on the way next from the Bills Media Room are his Wednesday press conference of the Bills. Get ready for the Dallas Cowboys.
4: It's kind of weird. The uh, ESPN shows are not talking about the Bill Belichick report. I don't understand it. There's, there. It's like giant news in the league. Belichick probably done after this season. We kind of know it's coming, but here is a real credible reporter, Tom Curran, talking about it and it's just not on the ESPN shows. I don't know. They're weird about stuff like that, right? Like, if Schefter doesn't have it, they don't talk about it? I don't know. They're weird. Eight zero three zero five fifty is the phone number. ESPN, I'm talking about there. We've got Sean McDermott's press conference coming up in a couple of minutes. I want to point something out to everybody out there that uh, they're, they might not know about. The league will have games on Saturday this week. So we have a Thursday night game tomorrow That is truly terrible between the Chargers and the Raiders. Don't care about that game. And then Saturday. Saturday we've got three games. A 1 o'clock, a 4.30, and an 8.15. And all three matter to the Bills and the playoff race in the AFC. 1 o'clock leading up to 8. The 8 o'clock game being the biggest. 1 o'clock Vikings at Bengals. So a very clear... You root for Minnesota. That's a big swing, a big impact on the Bills' playoff odds, depending on what happens there. Nick Mullins will be starting a quarterback for the Vikings. So everyone should be rooting for the Vikings at 1 o'clock on Saturday. 4.30 on Saturday. This might be one where I'd have to plug it into the machine, the New York Times playoff machine, to see what comes out ahead. But Steelers at Colts, Saturday at 4.30. And I'm going to... Guess that you want the Steelers to win that game, but I'm not really sure. Again, I'm not really sure. I'll I'll double check on the odds on that. It might be the same either way. And then the big one, the big one is tonight or uh, that night, eight fifteen, Broncos at Lions. That's the big one, and here's why, Denver already has the head-to-head over the Bills. And schedule matters here a lot. The Broncos, if they were to beat the Lions in Detroit, which is possible. Detroit has lost a couple here. They have their is in shambles. And Denver, meanwhile, has won 6 of 7. Russell Wilson, is he a top-five quarterback in the AFC right now? I mean, given there's so many backups, he probably is. The defense is playing a lot better. Courtland Sutton is playing his best football in years. Like Denver, Denver is actually decent. And their final three games, they would be 8-6 and six if they beat the Lions. Their final three games would be home against New England, against Bailey Zappi, home against the Chargers, against Easton Stick, and then at the Raiders against Aiden O'Connell, who just scored zero points on home field on... The, uh, this past
5: Sunday, as of right now, Steelers Colts doesn't have much weight it's in New much York Times playoff machine. It's percent. if the Steelers win, the Bills go to fifty percent chance to make it. If the Colts win, it's forty eight percent. Okay, but that's also like I so don't you know do if want, you do want the Steelers to win. Technically, yeah, but I don't but know if close. that's like a I don't know if that'll change like with like if Denver wins.
4: But we won't know that till after the fact, so. right? If Denver um, wins, it
5: does change it, but what not the, by much. Does
4: it matter? Do you have it open if Cincinnati wins either way? Because that's the game that comes before. If Cincinnati wins, is it better for If
5: Cincinnati wins and if Denver wins, then it's forty three percent Steelers, forty two percent Colts. Okay. So it's again it's it's like, it's almost the same. Yeah, it's about the same, just like lessening yeah. the chances. The
4: Denver one though for me is the big one because they would be eight and six with a seven out of eight game, you know, I don't want to call it win streak, but hot streak, and they'll have the head to head over the Bills and i think they're going to cruise through their final 3 games. They would be sitting at 11 and 6 and if i can you know hope and pray they lose one to a backup quarterback then we're talking 10 and 7 with head to head and that's probably going to be above the bills. So if Denver wins on Saturday night, i think they're getting a spot. I think they'll be in The best-case scenario is the Lions beat the Broncos on home field, which they're favored. They still should, even though it might be a close game. And you do get the Broncos to lose to one of the three backups, Zappi, Stick, or O'Connell. And if that happens, then they're at nine, and you don't have to worry about them because the Bills will just have one job, and that's get to ten, and you're above Denver. But this is why the wild card... Is is not. It's why the Bills are only like a 50-50 shot by the odds to get in. It's because the wild card is tough. There's a lot of teams. And, you know, the Browns are already at eight wins. It kind of feels like they're just ahead of the pack. And Denver might be too. All right, let's get to Bills head coach, Sean McDermott at One Bills Drive.
6: Today, uh, AJ and Micah will be week to week. Taron Johnson has an ankle. He will not practice today. We're going to walk through. Format. He will do the walkthrough, um, and then Von Miller would be is on a rest day, better than rest day today, just like last week. So, uh, one last thing is Justin Shorter. We're going to open up his his practice window uh, starting today and um, and get him going here. Okay.
5: Bring you back
6: to yes. Yeah. Explain,
5: uh, the shorter decision.
6: Well, just seeing what how he how he looks and, and uh, giving him a chance to now take what he's, uh, all the hard work he's put into this point and, and seeing what um, um, what it looks like. <clears throat> hey, Sean, Michael
1: Parsons, uh, I'd say like 12 and a half sacks. How, how yeah. rare of a player is he
6: in terms of stability and also how he goes around? Unique. Um, I think that's the best way to describe him. It's... Um, very talented, obviously athletic. They line him up all over the place, on the line of scrimmage, off the line of scrimmage. Um, so I think Coach Quinn does a great job of, of being creative with those looks. What,
2: what do you attribute just to the growth and confidence and maturity in head all over as he's over the you know, four and a half of those seasons? And did you see that in him when he was coming in, when, when you were you know, drafting him? Did you see that potentially in him? Uh, well you must have but, but
6: just what, what maybe caught your eye that you saw that you would be at this point? <clears throat> Well I think um, the credit has to start with him, um uh, with, with Ed in this case, uh, taking ownership of, of his career and and that's really where it starts is is him um, and his approach in particular this year. Um, you know, I mentioned that before uh, with a couple other other players up front in particular that um, the investment in his career, his process, his preparation during the week, um, he continues to mature, just you know, getting older as it is, and I'm extremely proud of him. him uh, you know, I mean, the, not being a bigger guy, but it just seems like he has still been able to kick his game up against the run up a match this year. What do you think about what you say about his explosiveness maybe or how that has enabled him to defend the run so well? Yeah, yeah. Um, for a quote-unquote smaller guy, he is he has great power and explosiveness. Um, so I think that's as as important as anything. Um, I think a lot of people obviously look for for that size factor. Ed doesn't Ed doesn't have that, but he does have that explosiveness, that that twitch, that that power. Uh, we'll see. We'll see. I don't know. I'm just right now, um, you know, continuing to get information from our trainers and. Uh, And updates as we go here. Watching them on uh, their offense, averaging seven points a game for the last six games.
0: What do you think about the way they've been able to attack teams downfield and
6: really uh, win everywhere? (laughs) Thank you for that. (laughs) No, they're they're explosive. Um, I think they're you know very talented offense. Um, You know, I think well coached really across all three phases. Um, of their team, with with offense, defense, and special teams, and um, you know they're as, as you've seen and you mentioned they're they're hard to stop. Um, and when you do get them to third down, they're the number one team in third down in the, in the NFL. So um, you know it's gonna it's gonna take a heck of an effort defensively. Yeah, I mean I'm sure a little bit, right? Um but you know, having said that we're focused on obviously what what's right in front of us with Dallas this week. Um you know, that that obviously helped a little bit as well. Um so I think I think that's just um it kind of goes along with just taking it one one week at a time. <laughs> That, say, yeah, um, no, that's a good question. I I think that you got to start with our. We have to start with ourselves and making sure that we're fundamentally strong. Um, <clears throat> you know that in particular we tackle well, get off blocks, and they're a tough matchup. You know those those matchups. It's a matchup game. And they're a tough matchup because of the the skill that they possess. Um, and I think Dak is playing really well and. Um, you know, as I said before, you know, Mike McCarthy, uh Brian Schottenheimer, two two really good coaches who have coached in this league a long time have a lot of experience. And Sean, <coughs> been in that twenty two to twenty six so far with no AJ, how well I thought I thought Vaughn um you know, took a step forward last week in in the Kansas City game and, and um it, you know that's that's what we're continuing to look forward to going going forward here with uh taking it one week at a time, um, um, you know, so with A.J. potentially out, um, it's it's going to be, hey, next man up. And so whether it's Vaughn or or somebody else, it's it's um, that's an important piece for us here. How much is Joe Brady's presence? <clears throat> Excuse me. In terms of Joe's philosophy on that or approach, or, or like maybe even your willingness to let him learn more, I don't yeah. know if anybody responsible for that. That's opened up, a little yeah. Um, uh, you know, I think it's just more, um, you know, it had my philosophy hasn't changed on it. Uh, Joe, Joe has embraced it, and I think we're aligned on that as well, philosophically. And and um, and I think Josh has done a pretty good job with it in terms of. Um, playing the position, and yet um, you know, Joe's put him in positions, too, to use his legs in some design runs, and, and I think that's, uh, that's worked well. What would you
0: say the organization's philosophy is on that now, and it's changed from the summer when it was... <clears throat>
6: I think just overall, when you're talking about the face of the franchise in terms of your quarterback, and this is true for um, you know any quarterback that that operates in that capacity, uh, like Josh does for us in this organization, is the key word is responsible, right? So responsibility falls on the coaches to make sure we're um, you know being um, calculated with it, and then responsibility with Josh, and that he is. Knowing uh when and where and and um and so and then how to proceed when you are running um in terms of going down getting out of bounds, what have you so um I believe we're you know we we've continued to move the meter in a in a good direction um everything in moderation so Um, yeah, I think we've kind of been around that that spot um, since the start, um, not saying that that's what uh, everyone saw since the start of the season, but I feel like uh, we've been around that same spot uh, since the beginning of the season. Yeah, um you know I've mentioned this uh before that when you can as a coach watch a player develop um a young player um it's it's one of the great most satisfying things of coaching just like I'm sure teaching is when you can watch a student develop and grow and um you know one week as I mentioned you know you know he, he he's challenged with one Part of his game, and he goes back and goes back to the drawing board, works on it the following week, and then, and then he follows through in the game. Uh, I think that was evident this past week with with the pass game in particular with James. And um, I mean, early on it was it was ball security. A few, I mean, the Rams game I think is rookie rookie season, rookie year. Um, so lessons, just like anything, you know, you learn you learn through through experiences. Sean, do you <coughs> <make> <coughs> Yeah. Um, so DJ um, William and Mary alum. Um, even though I did not know DJ personally, uh, Joe Joe knew uh, DJ, and, and they spent some time together, obviously um, years ago. And, and then and then DJ being right here at, at UB um, just prior to, to joining us. Um, you know, backfilling a, a spot. You know, obviously with the coordinator change there. Well, he's been a good addition i would I would start there catherine um I've been very pleased with how our offensive line um has played this season um you know the addition of connor Saibo, just to name a couple there and um, you know i think the the cohesiveness of that group and then knock on wood the health of that group has been key for us um and I'm sure Josh would say the same so I think Coach Cromer uh, and, and Austin Gunn have done a, a fabulous job of um, every week um, just continuing to improve that group every week. John, I understand why <coughs> you, you're responsible for the word that you want to associate with Josh, but this time of year, you know, big games are
2: long with quarterbacks. quarterback. You're not making irresponsible plays, but certainly accomplishing plays that might be taking a sizable
6: chance. Yeah. Is, is that the word that, that you want your race to the franchise kind of having in its head when no, he, he, he's well aware. Um Josh is a competitor and we all um this time of year we all do you do what you gotta do. And um you know, that's um it's just kinda one of those things that's understood this time of year that games on the line, um um, you know, you 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 gotta do what you gotta do. So, um I don't I don't think I need to say that he knows that. We all know Josh and um man, I know this football team, so um that's really where where it gets to this time of year. All right. Thank you guys. All right, there
4: is Bills head coach Sean McDermott, a couple of notable injury updates. The Barnes Firm injury report brought to you by the Barnes Firm Car Crash for help call 1-800-8 million at the beginning of that segment. The Bills will be opening up the 21-day practice window for fifth-round rookie receiver Justin Shorter. Um, he said we'll see on whether or not injured reserve is an option for A.J. Epinesa or Micah Hyde. They don't know yet. Both are still considered week-to-week. Taron Johnson will not practice today. He is more day-to-day, it sounds like, but again, another one that you have to keep an eye on. But Shorter, Shorter... Maybe that's a guy that they want to just try out. I, I, you know, we've heard over the year, like maybe their plan was to redshirt him all along, not play him the year and then get him going for his second year. But now that you're at this point where we've been talking about receiver today as a position where they're not getting much production from it, especially down the field. And Shorter is not a very fast player. You know, he's a four, five, five guy, 40 time. But. Some of the routes that he was good at at Florida was down the field. And do they want to just try it? Right? Like even for a couple snaps. Hey, we, we don't have anything working down the field. Let's just try it. Let's but let's, let's get him ready. Let's activate him. He's a big body. He he has these big strides. He's kind of like Davis for me in terms of his route tree. Like a younger Davis. And can he give us what Gabe Davis gave up, gave the Bills in his rookie year? Maybe maybe we'll find out. Eight oh three oh five fifty is the phone number. Salary joins the show, and um, yeah, we'll roll along here. I got some numbers on Denver too. I've been talking about them a little bit. Stay tuned, Jody Biase, Extra Point Show on WGR.
2: We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend four point four hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof?